0: Revelation chapter 19, we're going to do the first 10 verses, Lord willing. It says, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts, the cherubim, fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the Lord God Omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And then, overwhelmed, John says, And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So we have come now to this remarkable place. We're going to hear hallelujah four times. Nowhere else in the New Testament, but here in this chapter, this scene. Uh, Twenty-four times in the Old Testament, but there it is usually... Translated, praise the Lord or praise ye the Lord. It's from Hallel in the Hebrew and Yah, Jehovah, uh, praise the Lord. But here we have, again, we're not sure if it's a transliteration. Like in the New Testament, we have words that come out of Aramaic and Hebrew, Maranatha. Uh, I think when uh, Jesus prayed for Jairus' daughter, Talitha Kumai, uh, Amen, Hosanna. Abba. You know, we have certain words that come out of those languages. This word, hallelujah, we don't know whether it's a transliteration or whether it is the actual heavenly dialect. Paul says, though I speak in tongues of men and of angels and have not love a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. So there is a dialect of angels. And uh, we don't know. It seems like this is probably the heavenly dialect, so get used to it. Kind of memorize where it breaks forth, because you're going to be in the scene in the not too distant future, and you got to know when to scream hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It starts out by saying, and after these things. That is one of the great marks in the book of Revelation. It is the greatest marker in human history. After these things, this is after everything that's happened, not only in the book of Revelation. It's after these things, not only everything that's happened with the great whore and the way she's destroyed empire after empire after empire. This is after these things, after everything from Genesis through Revelation 18. Everything that mandated the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, through the history of the fall in Genesis 3, the ruin of mankind lights out to chapter 19, lights on. You know, the, this is this huge thing. After these things, the, 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 the human history stained by sin and rebellion. Look, and it wears on us today, you know, even the church. Uh, you know, for me. Uh, it was a bit heartbreaking. It was a hard year last year. But when people church come to me on social media and say, look at these people in the church, what they're saying about Democrats, what they're saying about Republicans. And I see the, the church r- ripping each other up and down over politics. I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me or what people are saying racially. you got to be kidding me. We have a pandemic. It's going to pass. Do we get the vaccination or not get the vac- vaccinated? You know, do we, what do we do with this? What do we do with all the, you know, the, the politics and the, and the murder and what's going on? The, the, what you do with all that is you bring your heart here, because after these things, something way better is coming. Okay? After these things, that's what we're living for. No more hatred. No more divorce. No more lawyers. No more dentists, you know. No more brain surgeons. No, no more cancer. No more hatred. No more prejudice. You know. No more police forces. You know. This is when they defund the police. When there's one officer in charge of everything, and we're longing for that day, right? Until then, we're making our pilgrimage. There's problems in this world. We're the church. The unsaved world should know we're his disciples. By the love, we have one for another. So we can't get caught up in the tide and the undertow of all of that. It doesn't do a service for Christ. doesn't do a service for you or your brother and sister here in the sanctuary. But the great thing is, now it comes to the point where it says, after these things. Oh, man. Whew. I am so glad to be out of the valley from 6 to 18. We went way down through the the seals and the trumpets and the vials. Now, after these things, and we come now to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, this chapter, some scholars say, well, this is the chapter of two suppers. You can make your reservation now. There's one you want to be at, and there's a one you don't. Blessed are those that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The other supper, you're on the menu. (laughs) You are the supper, you know. Make your reservation now. I love it, One, one Puritan I read said, this is the final apologetic. There's no need for apologetics after this, after these things. Because Christ is manifest in glory. His rule over the nations. His person as creator, redeemer, the center of everything. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. You know, settling everything wrong in the world. Don't need apologetics anymore. You don't have to prove whether the Bible's true. You don't have to prove whether Jesus is who he says he is. You don't have to prove anything anymore. This is Jesus showing up in the middle of all this. It's the final apologetic. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So it begins by saying, and after these things. What a break. You know, it's used that phrase, meditata many times through the book, but this is a distinct break here when it says it at this point. And after these things, he says, I heard a great voice. Now, great voice is Singular. You know, sometimes when we sing here, it sounds like a lot of different voices. But this is a great voice, singular, of much people, more than I'm sure you could ever count, in heaven. We're not on earth anymore. Saying, hallelujah. We're going to say hallelujah after these things. Won't it be great when we get out of here? You know, some of you will have hair again. No cancer, no sorrow, no tears, no hatred, no prejudice, no poverty, no betrayal, no injustice. No wonder we're going to scream hallelujah. You step into that and realize hallelujah. And it says here, salvation, glory, honor, and power unto the Lord our God. And each one of those have a definite article. It is the salvation, the glory, the honor, and the power. The, in front of each one, belongs to the Lord our God, which means every single one of them is emphasized as the original and only thing, that everything else may, may, you think there's salvation, is where you think there's salvation, if this person gets in, that person gets in, this happens, I can get this, I can get, no, 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 we stand there in heaven, and we look at him, there's one salvation, it's the salvation, it is from the son of God, his shed blood, his resurrected body, and him gathering with all power and authority as lord of lords and kings and kings, his bride to himself, there is the salvation, hallelujah, there is the glory, and we're going to be looking at it. Ain't no glory for rock stars there. Ain't no glory for movie stars there. Ain't no glory for sports stars there. Ain't no glory for basketball championships there. Ain't no glory, you know. The, no, there's the glory. It's His. It's His. What glory was from for in the first place was to be shine light on Him, to look at Him, and to glorify Him. N- nothing else. The glory, and we're going to be looking at it. The honor. What else could possibly be honored at that point but him? What else could possibly be honored? And the power. Nobody's got power over you. All authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority, all power. And it becomes evident as we finally get out of this mess and get past the great whore. We step into glory and it's look around and it's hallelujah. You know, that's the perfect word there. Isn't it funny? You know, hallelujah is the same if you're Russian, if you're Brazilian, if you're African. You know, all around the world is the same in every dialect, every nation. Hallelujah is probably because it's a heavenly word. Not an earthly word. Hallelujah. The salvation, the glory, the honor, the power unto the Lord our God. For Now, all of this is being ascribed, and there's a hallelujah attached to it. And there's six fours as we go through down to verse 10. Look. Verse 2. Four true and righteous are his judgments. Four. He has judged the great whore. Down in verse 6. For the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Verse seven. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. Uh, verse eight. For the linen is the righteousness of the saints. Down in verse ten. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the, it, it it builds its reasons all the way through for this great hallelujah chorus, you know, uh, that that comes forth for these reasons. First, it says, for true. And righteous are his judgments. True, there is genuine. You know, your baloney meter does not go off. Genuine, um, dependable, sometimes that word is translated. True, genuine, dependable, it says, and righteous. And righteousness in the New Testament Bible speaks of right towards those around us, towards others the way right it's expressed, righteousness. <clears throat> True and righteous are his judgments. And Satan has been challenging that since Genesis 3. Oh yeah, he don't want you to eat the fruit. He knows the day you eat thereof you'll be like him. You'll know good and evil. He's insecure. He's holding out on you. Look, it it is the the bane in some ways of our Christian experience as believers Why does my kid have cancer? Why is this happening? Why did my mom or my dad or my brother or sister die so unexpectedly? You know, why have I been fired? Why have I been betrayed? Why my wife and I have to get divorced? We can't get along. Why this? Why that? There's all these whys. And finally it says, everything's in the light. There's no more mystery. And then it says, dependable and righteous are his judgments. It's all in the light. It's all seen. There's no more accusations. No more whys. You know, Asaph, you know, why do the the, the righteous suffer and the wicked prosper? What is going on? Psalm 73. All of it is answered. It's all answered. And the cry in heaven with the hallelujah is, is dependable, true, and righteous. Are his judgments. Everything he's done. Because he has judged the great whore. This system that has polluted mankind through imperial governments for 6,000 years. And taken the lives in martyrdom and in so many different individuals that were God's sons and daughters. He He says now he's dealt with that. We thought he was letting injustice go. We thought he was letting these things happen. How can God be a God of love? And this is going on around us in the world. How can God be a God of love? And he lets this happen in our city or in our neighborhood. No, it says, Then finally, they're going to say he's he's dealt with it. He judged the great whore. He's brought it down, it says. This one who has corrupted the earth with her fornication, her immorality, physically, spiritually, in every way, idolatry, and have avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Chapter 6, he said, how long, O Lord, before you avenge our blood on those on the earth? And it says it was given to them white garments, we find it here, and they were told to wait, to be patient. So it says here that he has avenged. He's judged the great whore, avenged the blood of his servants. And again, when that is screamed, they say, hallelujah. And her smoke, this great whore, ascends forever and ever. So it's more than just a city because the smoke of a city wouldn't necessarily arise forever and ever. But it is the smoke of a world rebellious and idolatrous System that has been eternally judged and destroyed and the smoke of that that glorifies God ascends forever and ever it's part of their hallelujah so this scene look we're going to step into it how far away is it? if I told you how far away it was you'd run up your credit card so (laughs) it's got to be close You, you, you listen to this celebration listen Imagine what's going to be happening. Finally, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that we prayed over and over. It's finally realized here in this scene. These things are taking place. Isaiah had said this. Isaiah had said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase... Of his government and his peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Finally we're stepping into this. There are hallelujahs, all of this is being realized as we look at the scene. And stepping into it. Just imagine what that's gonna be like. First of all, there's gonna be reunions. Going to be reunions. No wonder there's Hallelujahs getting screened. I'm going to see my dad. <laughs> Again, I keep a picture of him at 30 years old, so I'll recognize him when I see him. <laughs> Go to see my mom, my grandpa, my grandma. Go to see Roby, Rich Bozzi. Gene Davies, so I can Kirk Thompson. My my mind goes through this list. It could go on and on. We do eighty to hundred funerals a year. Go to see him. This is it's after these things. It's after these things. We're gonna see him. There's gonna be reunions. Think of who you're gonna see again. Think of you know. Then there's gonna be introductions. Joe, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Hey, Pastor Joe, Charlie Spurgeon, good to meet you. (laughs) Martin Luther, just think of the introductions that will take place and the healing, the healing. Bodies healed, emotions healed, racism healed. Inequity healed. Betrayal healed. Husbands and wives that could not get along and ended up divorced. Falling into each other's arms in tears and in love. Things rectified. Healing. Reunions. Introductions. What a scene. No wonder everybody's screaming hallelujah. 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 Or smoke arises forever and ever. The four and twenty elders and the four beasts, the cherubim, they fall down and worship God that sat on the throne, saying, Now they don't just say hallelujah, they say amen, hallelujah. So be it. Amen, hallelujah. Now look, you guys need to pay attention to this, okay? Because when we get there and it says, After these things, there's a great voice of many people. You're part of that. You need to know right away, you're going to scream hallelujah. Then you need to know when the great destruction of the great horror is talked about, then you're going to scream, Hallelujah again, or smoke is going up. Hallelujah. Then you need you to know, after the 24 elders and the four cherubim fall down, you're on again. But this time you need to say, Amen, Hallelujah, then know you're from Calvary if you do that. <laughs> and then it says, And a great voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants... And ye that fear him, both small and great, and in light of that, he says, and I heard, now he's trying to tell us, it wasn't a great multitude in that sense, it wasn't many waters, it wasn't thunderings, he says, I heard... As it were the voice of a great multitude. Just, he, he, it's hard for him to describe. He said it was as the voice of many waters, like the sea roaring. It was as the voice of mighty peals of thunder. You know how that comes in the summer. It shakes your house, shakes your ribs. He said these mighty voices, voice of like the voice of a multitude, as. As the voice of many waters. As the voice of mighty thundering, singing again. Hallelujah. This is the fourth one. And now you know to say, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Won't that be something? Who's reigning? You know, What what a deal that will be. So look, it says here that a voice came out of the throne saying, praise our God. Notice this. All ye his servants, literally his slaves. <clears throat> and you that fear him now look slavery you know mankind has perverted that and turned it into an unbearable evil and injustice but in the Bible you know after the law is given acts 20 Act, I mean uh, Exodus 20 Exodus 21 then tells the story of If a man is indebted, he owes something to somebody else. And we certainly do to Christ. We did. That he can go that man to work for him for seven years as an indentured servant, as a bond slave. And then after he works for him for seven years, then his debts have to be forgiven. He can be set free. But it says, but in his master's house, if he finds a wife, it's a blessing to him. And he has children. And he loves them. That at the end of the seven years, he can go to his master and say, Master, I willingly now want to be your slave. And the master takes him to the doorpost with an awl and bores a hole in his ear and puts a golden earring in his ear that says, I am your bond slave forever. You know, Psalm 40, when Jesus is talking about the crucifixion coming, giving his body, he says, Thou hast opened mine ear. He's the bond slave of his father. How many of us are like that? Look, like, what did we come out of? Drugs, the world, insanity. And the Lord saved us. We, we were indebted. And in the process, a wife. Poor girl's been with me over 40 years. Give me a wife. Sons and daughters. Grandchildren. Y'all. And I can only say, Lord, Master, take me to the doorpost of your house and bore my ear. Because I want to be your slave forever. Your servant. I don't want to go out. I know it's out there. I was indebted when I came in. I don't want to lose my wife and my kids and my grandkids and y'all. He says that here. A voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants. And then it says, And you that fear him both great and small. You know, look, this is not groveling at his feet, fearing him that way. Well, we should fear God, but this is not torture. It says that this ungodly fear has torment, we're told. But God's love cast out fear. The, John says in chapter 4, and it is the perfecting Of God's love towards you casteth out all fear. The perfecting of God's love, you're growing in it, you're maturing in it, you're realizing it more and more as time goes on, and as that's happening, as you're realizing more of his love, then it is casting out, casteth, the present tense is constantly casting out the fear that has torment. It leaves us with another fear, I mean, I, I know and I feel terrible. Many of you didn't have a good father. I had a good father. It wasn't saved, sage. He was a good father. Worked hard. World War II. Just one of those guys. Took care of the home. Paid the bills. Good father. One of the things I hated to hear in my home was, I'm going to tell your father. Because it was a different generation as well. You know, my mom could beat me and I would act hurt. Ah! You know, it was like... You know, leave me alone, all right? Beat me and get out of here. But when she said, I'm going to tell your father, that was not good. Because he hardly ever took the strap to me. And when he did, he was angry that he had to do it. And he laid it on. Now, when he was done, I was completely relieved. My conscience was clear. My butt felt bad, but my heart was wonderful, okay? And I was never groveling in fear of my father. He was a good father. He loved me. But I reverenced him. I feared him in that respect. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is clean. Psalm 19. That's important for us to realize. Jeremiah, when he rebukes the nation, he says, your problem is you have... Cast me off, the Lord says, the fountain of living waters. And you've hewned out cisterns for yourself that can't hold anything. And see for yourselves, It, it is a terrible, it's an evil thing that you have left off the fear of the Lord. That nation, Israel, no longer held her God in awe and respect, and she was involved in idolatry and insanity. Let me tell you the problem ...with the world and with the United States of America. There is no fear of God. It doesn't matter who you elect. It doesn't matter what you try to straighten out. It doesn't matter what kind of social justice we try to bring. And we should think about some of those things. But the point is, the insidious cancer in the human race is no fear of God. So you can shoot each other, you can abort each other, you can murder each other, you can sexually abuse one another, you can do this, you can hate each other politically, hate each other racially, the whole world. The problem is there's no fear of God. The might of a nation depends upon its righteousness, the Bible says. But now, all the other stuff is gone. Blessed are you, all his servants... You that fear him, both small and great. And then in in light of that, he hears this other, like the voice of, like many voices, like the, the voice of many waters, like the voice of a mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. I love Kenneth Weiss from the Greek, he translates it. The Lord God omnipotent has assumed his royal authority. Won't that be great? When Jesus has assumed his royal authority. Now, seven to nine take us to the marriage supper. Let us be glad and rejoice. Give honor to him for, another reason, to praise, to give honor, to hallelujah, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife, in contrast to the great whore, His wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he said unto me, Write. He gets John's attention. This is the fourth beatitude in the book of Revelation. We, We have blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is the fourth beatitude in the book, and it is blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith to me, these things are true, the true sayings of God. So what you have here is you have the marriage of the lamb. Then you have those that are called to the reception. Those are two different things. You can go to somebody's wedding. That doesn't mean you get to the feast. Blessed are those who got the invitation and you decided whether you like beef or chicken or fish. And you sent it back in. Right? You have two things here. You have the marriage of the Lamb, his bride. You know, it's interesting. People are not sure, what do we do with this? Is it Israel and the church? Is it just the church? Israel of old is many times called the wife of Jehovah, but it always is in a context of unfaithfulness, always. In the New Testament, the church is called the bride of Christ, Never in the negative. And here, because the wedding takes place, she's now the wife of Christ. Interesting transformation here. So this is a picture of the church from Pentecost to the rapture. Jew, Gentile, whoever gets saved, part of the church. That's the bride of Christ. We know it's not Old Testament saints included, because it says here that she's arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, over in verse 14, where we'll be if the Lord tarries next week. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Exact same phrase in the Greek. So this is speaking about resurrected bodies. It's speaking about their clothed in this linen. There's no Old Testament saints resurrected. As Christ returns at Armageddon, that's still future. So this has got to be a picture. You know, you and I are raptured, then we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, which is a throne of rewards. When we then are rewarded for our faithfulness, whatever that looks like, and then the righteousness of Christ is added to us, and we know that Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians um He says this, he says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, listen to the Corinthians, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. I want to pick that church to do that with. Then he says this in Ephesians. He says, the husband, speaking about just the husband's role, Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, and that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That is strictly by the work of Christ. So here in our challenge, it says here, you know, that the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. There's good works for her name. We should walk in them. We've been to the judgment seat of Christ. We've received our rewards. And to her it was granted That Greek phrase, was granted, is used 20 times in the book of Revelation, and it always speaks of something God is giving, not something that's earned. To her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness, there's a... Plural there. Righteousness is of the saints. Your translation might say the righteous acts, trying to take hold of that in exactness. The fine linen she wears is the righteous of the saint, which is given by Christ. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but it's through Christ. And he said unto me, write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the marriage itself takes place in heaven. The marriage supper takes place on earth. And the 144,000, the Old Testament Jews that died in faith, the Jews, they're going to be gathered to the marriage supper, to the reception. Christ is coming, he's returning with his bride. John understood the imagery as we looked at these things. The, there was always an arrangement in the culture made between the parents, between the father made the arrangements to have his son take this particular wife. He paid, there was a price that was paid, there was a contract. And the father was making the arrangements, as our father had made the arrangel. there There is the period of espousal. The arrangement may have been made when you were both five years old, okay? And uh, your dad may have been an Eagles fan, and her dad was an Eagles fan. And they said, look, let's let's get the kids married. The wives can stay home with the grandkids. We can go to Eagles games for the rest of our lives. This will be good. So for one reason or another, they made arrangements. Gals, it just was your problem if when your predisposed husband was 20 and looked like Frankenstein, that was just life. Marriage was based on a covenant on a contract. If you end up loving the person you're married to, that was a bonus in this day. So the father would make the arrangements. And then the period of espousal for a year. They would meet with each other. They would get to know each other. If one of the two committed sexual sin during that year with somebody else, it was considered adultery, was adescent. It broke you, needed a divorce to get out of the espousal. So then there's that period of espousal. Now finally when that period is over, in the process during the year, the groom has been building an addition on his father's house to where the bride and groom are going to live. So ladies, if you didn't like your in-laws, it was pretty tough then because you were moving in with them, you know. He was building an addition on his father's house. And then the night of the wedding, the day of the wedding begins at sundown. So the bride had to be ready, and her maids had to have oil for their lamps, because that groom's been waiting for a while. And he's not waiting until sunup. If the day starts at sundown, he's coming for that girl. And as he comes, they blow the trumpets, and they cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. You know, the foolish virgins did have any oil for their lamps. It's a picture that John understood and then the bridegroom would take her to his father's house where he had made the addition. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in me, believe also in God. In my father's house there are many mansions. If that was not true, I'd never let you believe that. I would tell you. Lo, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. It's the Son preparing a place in his father's house for his bride. Then the groom would come and take the bride and go back to the father's house where he would take her alone. And it was a time of intimacy. The marriage feast and the guests would be outside for seven days while she would be alone with him. He would go in and out, but they'd be alone in their intimacy don't mean to gross anybody out but the the tradition was their original wedding bed the best man would bring out the the sheets from their first night together and they had to have blood on them proving that she was a virgin paul says i want to present you as a chaste virgin to christ in and out for seven days. At the end of seven days, he would then bring out his bride. She was then considered a woman, a wife, and he would present her publicly. Jesus is going to come for us. He's going to blow the trumpet. He's been preparing a place in his father's house. He's going to carry us over the threshold. He's going to take us home. We will go to the judgment seat of Christ. We'll get our rewards. The marriage takes place in heaven. We will be his bride. We will be his wife. He keeps us aside for seven years, not seven days, while all of these things take place on earth. And at the end of the seven years, he comes out with us publicly. The sun goes out, moon goes out, stars in heaven go out. It's Jesus Christ on a white horse, his vesture dipped in blood, Lord of lords, king of kings, and the saints of heaven, his bride, are following with him to earth. Old Testament saints are not raised yet. They don't have any part in this. And when Jesus Christ then comes and destroys the antichrist, then binds the devil, then the reception begins. There's a thousand years of peace on earth, and blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, which differs from the marriage itself. Are you guys ready? Really? You know how to ride horses? (laughs) And look, the great thing is, we get there, everybody's dressed in white. It's like nobody looking. Why are they wearing that? Or what are they do Poop picked out. Or, those are two thousand dollars sneakers. Why do they got those on? Everybody's dressed in white, and it's more beautiful than anything we've ever seen. It's glorious. It's it's blistering in its its appearance. It's lovely. And he says, the last this fourth beatitude. Blessed are those that are called. It's a perfect tense. That are have been called and are still called. Unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me. These things are true. John. These are dependable. These are true. Say, John's like standing with his mouth open. These things. And it says. Then John said. I fell down when he said that. I fell at his feet to worship him. He said unto me. See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. I serve God with you. And of thy brethren. I also have the testimony of Jesus as you do. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Every Old Testament prophet that talked about Israel coming back in the land, which was relative to the Messiah. Every Old Testament prophet, the testimony of Jesus was the spirit of that prophecy. People say, well, the the spiritual gifts are not for today. Prophecy has passed away. Really? Tell that to Billy Graham. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The very spiritual gift that drives the testimony of Jesus is a prophetic gift. You and I today, when we share with loved ones and friends about what we believe, what we believe is just in the distant future, we, uh, in the not-so-distant future, when we share those things, it says there's a spirit, The spirit it's the very spirit of prophecy. We speak those things because we we believe those things, and they're right ahead of us. So we have this hope. All of a sudden we're out the dark back into the light, look around us today, keep in mind what we're looking for is after these things. It ain't during these things. You ain't going to find nothing during these things that a loving father and a loving savior is going to let you be satisfied with. He would never let you be satisfied with any, you know, we think, oh, you know, I thought it was drugs, I thought it was sex, I thought it was this, and I finally got away from all that. Now there's all kinds of other things he ain't going to let you be satisfied with. Because our hearts are to be longing for home. And look, they are. If we want to walk with the Lord, you know, we find ourselves constantly saying, I, I need to pray more. I need to read more. I've been saying that for almost 50 years. I pray more and read more now than I ever had. I'm still saying it. Because what I'm really saying is. I want to be home. I want to be home. I want to stand in his presence. I want what's after these things. For now. Guys. All men. This is the word of God. All men will know you're my disciples by the love you have one for another. Don't let the nonsense from out there get into our hearts in the church. Please. Please. Social media is trash half the time. People friending, defriending, you know, people are maligning people. It's electronic gossip. It was heartbreaking. As I get the privilege to teach you the word every week just to see some of the social media during the election. You know, racial things that should never be said. After these things, everything's going to be right And we're going to see how foolish so much of this was. Amen? Amen. And we're getting ready now. Just stand on the other side. Get ready, man. You don't have to worry about the Sixers anymore. (laughs) Get ready. You can look forward to the right thing now, right? He's coming. He loves us. We're his sons and daughters. We're all one family. And after these things... We're going to step to the other side. Reunions, introductions, healing, the marriage, the victory, the reception. Hallelujah. Right? Hallelujah. It's coming. Let's stand. Let's pray together. And look, you can make your reservation now. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, as we go on in this chapter... The wicked are slain that refuse him, and the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, they come and make y'all dinner. So you, there's two dinners here. One you can be invited to, the other one you're the main course. Make your reservation today. If you've never come to Christ, not Calvary Chapel, not religion, not church, this do not have anything to do with that. Jesus Christ, the Savior, if you've never come to him, do that today. We'd love to pray with you. We're down here after the study's over or during the last song. Make your way down. We'd like. We want to give you a Bible, some literature to read. We'd love to have a prayer with you. Forget about you know religion. You want to be spiritual, not religious. And if you haven't made that decision, you haven't done that. You can make. You can. Ma- you know. You can make your reservation today, one supper or the other. And it doesn't take a Ph.D. to figure that out, right? So we'll sing this last song. If he's drawing you today, if he has hold of your heart, we could say it in a thousand different ways, but you know what's happening inside. And if you feel that, and you know what, today I, I, I need to make this decision. I'm I'm tired of playing games. I don't want church, but I do want Jesus. Then you come. We'd love to pray with you. Father, I know you've overheard we put these things before you. We wonder, Lord, as you're looking at the world, as you're looking at the church around the globe today, as you see those meeting in secret, you see those meeting at the jeopardy of their lives, you see us here with so many blessings, Lord. And yet, Lord, it seems that the, the greatest threat is an eternal threat, an eternal death, whatever circumstance. And Lord, we have no jurisdiction there. We have no authority there. We have no Lord, um, ability there. It's yours, Lord. We can bring, Lord, you to men, but only you bring men to yourself. So, Lord, you add daily to the church those that should be saved as we lift our voices and our hearts in song. Lord, we pray that be a blessing to you. And we do also pray, Lord, if there are any here who have never come to you, Lord Jesus, that you would do that today. You would draw them, Lord. We trust you and we pray in your name. Amen.